already started. Welcome, welcome, welcome to 2020 version of Goody Impact Stories. I am Joy Womack, founder of Goody Nation. We're going to talk 12 straight hours today about why relationships matter for tech-focused social entrepreneurs and diverse founders. Super excited, super excited. We got an all-star lineup of people coming out throughout the day, 30 plus people. 12 straight hours are gonna be here all day. I'll be sitting here right here in this very same spot all day. Y'all pray for me, I don't know, I don't know if I can make it happen. Um, so before we get to uh, you know a little bit of, a little bit conversation, I'm gonna go over some logistics. I'll go over the schedule for today. And then we'll talk about Goody Nation before our first guest at 9 a.m. Eastern. Um, but before we kind of get into the mix, we have a few people from the Goody Nation team. We'll allow them to do their their intros. We've got people logging in from all over the country. So I'm going to kick it over to uh, to Miriam, then Raquel and Jamila from our team to do some quick hellos. Hello, everyone. I am so excited to be here. I do not care that it's early. This is a major day for Goody Nation. Um, I am the operations manager and community manager. Um, I just like to keep the flow going, keep the culture going. I'm like the hype man. Um, so if you have any questions, please, please email me at Miriam at goodynation.org. Um, I'm on my email all day. So if there's any issues, just let me know and we'll be good to go. Hello. Awesome. Awesome. Raquel. Hello, I am Raquel. I serve as the marketing manager for the tech and small business division. And super excited to see everybody here for Giving Tuesday, helping us raise money to support our founders in, in our program. And I'm super excited. I will be the captain of social media today. So you'll see me updating and sharing some gems from our conversations, from our impact stories. So look forward to communicating with you. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Next up, we have Jamilia. Hi, everyone. I am Jamilia Jones, the K-12 Division Director. I coach all of the wonderful founders who focus on the K-12 tech training of audience, I guess you would call it. And I'm excited to be talking to you all today about why those relationships are matter and why they need to happen more often. So let's get it started. I really want some of that 90s music to play some more. Okay, we may, we may have that throughout the day. Uh, Antoine, Antoine, you want to do a quick intro? Hey, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Antoine Woods, and I'm director of the Tech Enable Small Business Division. I'm very excited to be here. You know, today is very important as Giddy Nation does a lot of work uh, for connecting black and brown founders. So thank you so much for being here. And I look forward to, uh, to just interacting with you throughout the day. Awesome, awesome. And then we also have uh, Blanca Catalina Garcia. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for having me and, and welcome. Um, I am the startup division director here at Goody Nation, and I'm really excited uh, to kick off Giving Tuesday with you all. Uh, this is such an important, important day for us, and um, it's such an important cause. We are supporting the growth of the innovation economy, um, and the founders that we are supporting are building the future. So I'm really excited for today. Um, and uh, getting 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 the support that we need for our amazing program. And I just want to shout out to this amazing team here, my uh, teammate, my my teammates, my people here, y'all. You light up my day. So happy Tuesday, all. 
Awesome, awesome, awesome. And we do, uh, looks like we do have uh, one of our founders here as well. Jared, he'll be coming on a little bit later on um, in the evening or the afternoon, really around 4.30 or so on the music starter side, but he's here um, a little bit early. So just hanging out with us again. This is a family affair. Think of this like, like, like the hangout spot during homecoming in college, right? People fall in, people fall out. So Jared, um, good morning to you. You want to say a quick hello? Uh, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for uh, having me here. I'm super excited. Just came in, like you said, to hang out, see what, what it's about. Um, I'm going to try and rock with you as for as many of those 12 hours as possible. But I'm, <laughs> I don't know if the whole thing, though. So, hey, I know you're I know you're super busy. I appreciate it. I mean, you know, hang out, keep it on. Sometimes people turn their, their video off and kind of have it in the background. I know you got tons and tons of meetings and progress that you're making. So before we kind of get into a little bit of conversation about what's happening with Goody Nation 2020, let's go over a little bit of housekeeping. So um, for one, the main reason why we're doing this is to raise money for our programming and operations in 2021. So there's multiple ways you can donate, no pressure at all, but you can, um, right here on the screen, you can text Goody to 707070. It'll give you a link to go ahead and donate. So um, feel free to do so. Your name will pop up on the screen if you want to. Our goal is to raise $5,000, basically double what we have now over the next 12 hours. Um, it will really allow us to help as many founders as possible moving forward. You should also follow us on social media. So we're at Goody Nation on pretty much every platform from Twitter to Instagram to Facebook. And hey, to all of our friends over at Facebook land as we're live streaming over there as well. So uh, follow us on uh, all social media channels. If you tag us, if you hear about any interesting things, any quotables, you know, tag us there, um, and uh, you can kind of take in some of the action along that um, those channels as well. From a schedule standpoint, here's how the rest of the day is going to go. Until about 9 a.m. Eastern, it's going to be a conversation with the Goody Nation team again. How we've evolved since 2014, when we first truly launched, how we've really grown in 2020. We'll talk a little bit about. Uh, how we've evolved from focusing on the funding gap to for founders to the relationship gap. We'll talk about it within the, the, the confines of tech founders, but also tech training program operators. At nine o'clock, we'll have our first set of guests, um, Brandon Andrews from Values Partnerships up in, D, up in D.C. So from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. is our segment on diverse founders and uh, tech-focused social entrepreneurs, essentially the inclusive innovation segment. From 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. will be our segment focused on education. So we'll talk a little bit about uh, what it means for relationships for those that run tech training programs, as well as why it's important for uh, for those to be in, to engage civically uh, between you know people on the government level, level people at the foundational level, and those that actually run programs. From one to three is our revenue over everything segment. So that is one of our mentors here at Goody Nation. We're in business to make money. Well, the founders are in business to make money. And so we're talking a little bit about why relationships matter uh, for revenue as it relates to B2C founders, but also B2B. From three to seven is when things really, really um, pick up. And so this is our, our culture segment. We're going to have tons of guests focused on entertainment, media, sports, music, all of that. And then we're going to end from seven to eight with some discussions on um, why relationships matter for the mental health of founders and also kind of a recap. So that's how today is going to go. You can slide in, you can slide out. Again, happens in the background, um, posts in, in chat and stuff like that. And so I give a, I know Miriam would, would kill me and say, 
please post in chat. Let us know where you're where you're logging in from. If you have any you know comments, if you have any questions. And again, until really nine o'clock, you can also ask us questions relative to Goody Nation as well. We love to hear uh, some of the things that you're thinking, some things you want to know. I see Adrian White, I see Alasia, I see, you know, again, David Castro, Barbara, uh, Mark Taylor, and so on. So everyone, thanks for logging in. Did I, did I, did I miss anything, team? Let me know. Um, if not, we're gonna keep on, keep on keeping it on. Again, we'll see how long I can actually keep on talking and sit in this seat, right? Trying to set the Guinness Book of World Records here. Um, so let's get into a little bit about Goody Nation and how we've evolved since 2014. So let me tell a little bit of a story. Really in October of 2013, um, a guy named Sanjay Parak, who was running Startup Atlanta at the time, reached out and said, hey, could you do some events for the 2014 Startup Week to diversify the week, right? I'm like, okay, cool. I'm really focused on something else at the time. And it took me really two months to come up with this idea. And so on December 13th, is about actually the day before my mother's birthday, I had this idea for this event called Goody Hack, which was uh, a, a hackathon that would help nonprofits be connected to developers to solve the internal problems uh, that the nonprofits were facing. So the theory was if they can solve some of their internal problems, they can help more people faster, right? And so I was trying to figure out a name for it. So we had hackathon, it's a hackathon for good. And so we're like, hey, you know, we're in Atlanta, we infuse a little bit of hip hop culture into it, you know, I have a nightlife background, Goody mob, goody for the good, and then hack for the hackathon. And so that's where kind of the, the origins of Goody Nation for the most part really came from, right? So we evolved, we did that for two years. It was okay, right? We had, we packed out, and in one scenario, one weekend, we literally took over the Google Atlanta office. Like we, they called it Club Google for the weekend. But the reality is that while we had some success, it really wasn't producing the results that we were really, really truly looking for. I mean, we had a lot of great impact, but it wasn't really scaling up. So long story short, we got a small grant from Google in 2016 to evolve the hackathons and stitch them together to create a social impact pre-accelerate. So at that time, we did a hackathon for good. We did a, a marketing hackathon for good. And so we then we 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 stitched these hackathons together. And before we did the hackathons, we did these design thinking sessions. So we helped founders come up with an idea. They took those ideas. They went on to um, get a prototype developed and a logo developed and a marketing plan developed at the first hackathon. Then they went on to the second hackathon where, where developers took those prototypes and turned them into pilots, right? So that's how we went from zero to one for founders around social impact. That first cohort had Jasmine Crow from Gooder in it had India Hayes from Mini City, it had Jen Graham from Civic Dinners. And so we came out the box with that first cohort, 10 companies, we were like, oh, we found something that works. It worked a lot better than our individual hackathon concept. And then we did it for two more years and like, it didn't really produce the results consistently that we were looking for. 2018 comes, I started to think about, okay, maybe this isn't the right model for us to get the impact that we want. Fast forward relatively a year, 
we get a grant from K Poor Center to do this thing called the Intentionally Good Project. And in this case, we will go from helping founders go from zero to one and, and focus on those going from one to zero or two to three and pouring in resources to make them get larger and get better. In this case, the founders could be social entrepreneurs from any background, but they could also could be diverse founders as well. And so that's really how the current Goody Nation was born. In this case, the problem we were focused on, however, was what we call the funding gap. So typically what we see is that diverse founders and social entrepreneurs, particularly in Atlanta, raise money about two venture investment levels lower than when their progress indicates. So for example, if their progress, their milestones indicate they are ready for a million dollar seed round, many of these founders, particularly in Atlanta, were having trouble raising $50,000, especially when you compare it to their counterparts. Now, there are several reasons why, but the reason that we were, the, the reason that the, the problem that we were focused on is that they weren't connected to those that graduated from top colleges and those that, were, that, that work at uh, top companies, especially at, in innovation roles in top companies. Now, there's a lot of in, uh, research that goes into this. It's been talked about you know, over the last six to eight years. It's typically called the funding gap, right? 1% of all venture capital money goes to black founders, something like 2.8% goes to women founders. It's a huge problem. A lot of people know about it, especially that are tuning in today. But here's the thing. I am what people will consider a connector. I know a lot of people. I actually get it from my mother who gets it from her uncle who also ran a club in Montgomery, Alabama. And there's a lot of uh, bylines there or, or lines there between you know, he and I. Goody Nation goes back to our roots of how we took nonprofits and connected them to skills-based volunteers. Goody Nation is a connector. So I'm about relationships. Goody Nation's about relationships. And for the past year and change with the Intention Good Project, however, we were focused on funding gap, the funding gap. And so I realized this recently. And so the same advice we give our founders, we actually give ourselves. And so recently we've pivoted, we've evolved to focus on what we call the relationship gap. So again, I'm a connector that's focused on relationships. Goody Nations are connected that focus on relationships. The problem we're going to focus on is relationships. When we started to dig a little bit deeper into it, we found that, again, tech-focused social entrepreneurs and, and diverse founders, particularly those that, that don't live in New York, San Francisco, Boston, experience this huge relationship gap. It does lead to the funding gap, but it also leads to a few other things more stress, and also stalled professional development. And so once we started to look at it through those lens, we started to alter our programming a little bit and kind of fit things in kind of as they may. And it's really opened up a lot of opportunity for our founders. And now we can go super fast. We also started to build in a few tools. And so in a second, I'm gonna hand it over. We're gonna have a conversation between Blanca and I talk about what it means for tech startup founders. Um, but we've all started building a few tools to uh, explode our ability to make connections. So for context, this year, because of how busy everything was, especially in Q3, 
it wasn't taking our team, but especially me in particular, up to two weeks to make an intro for one of our founders. So again, our core competence, the thing that we do best, our superpower is our ability to make connections for founders. But because the whole process of making introductions, the founder has to ask, has to tell you what they need. You even got to reach out to somebody and say, hey, like our founder wants to talk to you. Here's the context around it. Got to think of a very thoughtful email or text message or, or LinkedIn message or something like that. You got to wait for them to respond, which may take another day or two. Then once they respond, if you know we're not busy at the time, we then have to very have to um, write a very thoughtful email or message or something like that, connecting the founder and the expert. Right. In some cases, again, it was this was taking us up to two weeks. We recently combined some tools called Bridge and then Airtable, and in the first week of this, we were able to do fifty introductions. I'm happy to report in the like the like the last six weeks, we've made over 400 introductions um, between founders and experts, which is actually kind of crazy. I mean, it's really it's, it's resulting in a lot of amazing things. Um, and I'm super excited about what this means moving forward in terms of helping these founders create deep relationships with awesome people to bring more money in the door. So um, let's talk a little bit about what that means for some of the tech founders. And the programs, I'm going to kind of call Blanca uh, to the stage, so to speak. And so if you have any any thoughts about what you've seen this year, Blanca, um, as it relates to the funding gap, to the relationship gap, in terms of all the stuff we've done, we've done also a lot of different things. We've worked with Google on their Black Founders Fund. So for, for context, everyone, now we have over 150 founders in our program from all over the country. Um, so Blanca, any thoughts on, on what we talked about so far? Yes, absolutely. I'm just, I'm just reflecting back on all that you are telling, having been witness to it. And it, it, it truly is the case. It's so impressive how, um, we've been able to move forward and, and make this happen in the community of founders, uh, that we impact, which just gets broader and broader, which is really exciting. But that is absolutely the case. We, from from the point of not being really being able to find the right connections or people who are willing, um, not really knowing how to support those founders and those founders really not knowing, really being stalled, as you said. Um, now to moving into a process where not only um, have we figured out from the from the back end a logistical uh, process and the and and the technology that we need to accelerate. Um, these connections, but also just a, a community um, of mentors, of investors, of people that are um, even more so engaged. Um, so there is sort of like a, um, a, a augmented effect. It's kind of like we're, we're getting out there, we're making this happen, and, there, and there's a community that's really responding to that. So that really tells me that just as much as there were founders just kind of you know, floating outside of the networks that they needed uh, for that support. There were networks of, of support and people who really wanted to help those founders who wanted to know who they were, who wanted to, uh, who wanted to meet and, and, and support those companies, are interested in, in supporting and funding those companies. They just didn't have the connection. Um, so I think we, we really are tapping into something here that is incredibly powerful. And I'm just thinking now that, you know, how, as you were speaking, 
um, just, you know, for all those that, that don't know, we meet with uh, the majority of the founders in our weekly standups where we report in about OKRs and um, do sort of an accountability and support check-in uh, weekly with our founders. And I'm, I'm just thinking about how many things I kind of took for granted the last couple of weeks that are happening um, that uh, really just weren't were not the case a year plus ago. There was really a, it was an uphill battle, um, and I think that I think that what what we are doing here it's not from you know from my experience my framework is that of um, a, an educator and um, ecosystem engineer is that I'm seeing that. Um, as we continually um, apply this method, we are we are building a system, a framework into our ecosystem um, that is is broadening these relationships and is making these connections that much more natural. Um, people are just kind of tapping in to this framework. It's it's really exciting. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, it, it as you were talking, I started to, to understand or or see in my mind again the evolution of our community, right? And so, um, you know, when we talk about the relationship gap. These are things that in business we all know to be true, right? For years, everyone has said your network is your net worth, right? It's not what you know, it's who you know. So we we know everyone knows that you know no entrepreneur can succeed can succeed without a strong network. It's just what everyone knows in business, no matter who you are, no matter what you look like. But for many of our founders, because of the way access and also I'm going a little bit of the pitch though. So let me give a little bit of context. I've had a lot of help in evolving this story, uh, this framing over the last few months because of the way access and opportunity has been traditionally been distributed in this country. Tech-focused social entrepreneurs and diverse founders don't have strong network, especially those, again, that graduated from top colleges and those that, that work in innovation roles at top companies. So what this means is that they have less robust networks to draw upon for advice. They have less robust networks to draw upon for revenue. They have less robust networks to draw upon for uh, for funding. And they have less robust networks to draw upon for just, you know, even examples of what it means to be, in the case of scalable tech startups, what a true kind of venture back CEO looks like, right? So, so Goody Nation really exists to eliminate this gap. And the reason why it's important, and I think all the founders that may be watching us today, like the why should you care statement, is that if we can get this right, if we can even reduce this relationship gap, it means that we can create a better and more sustainable future for us all, no matter what you look like, no matter where you live, right? We see a world where all hardworking entrepreneurs no matter what they look like, no matter where they live, have access to the resources they need to reach their potential, right? So that's kind of what we are with Goody Nation right now, why we evolved for focus solely on funding to helping them get connected to awesome people that can make for well-rounded humans, well-rounded CEOs, and create these deep relationships. And I think how it relates is we spend like a two or three more minutes on the venture-backed companies is you know, the standard of where, where we want our founders to operate is really a, a founder that's going on to raise a series B round, right? I mean, just generally speaking, right? 
those founders typically know their business inside and out. Every single metric you can think of, they know about it. And so that's our standard where we want um, our founders to get to. And so our program, a lot of our programming is focused on that. So um, any thoughts on that before we, we kick it over to, to Antoine, talk about, you know, the different divisions. And, and, and actually, Blanc, I'm, I'm going to let you kind of talk about that. And I'm going to go to our explanation on our divisions after, after you say that. Sure, no problem. So, um, yes, exactly. So when you think about specifically in the division that I'm working in where where most most companies are looking to be uh, venture backed. Um, so that has a very particular structure. Um, and, and for those of you who, who are not as familiar, you know, it's, a, it's about it's about massive scale. And for that, it's like what you said, Joey, that 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 type of company is impossible to build without a series of support. So it's, it is absolutely not just a team uh, project. It is, it is a community project. There's all these people that get involved in making, when you see that in the news, if you know, if, if, if you're kind of like on the periphery of this, when you're seeing these startup companies, these tech companies, you know, balloon, there's years and years of work that goes behind that, both from the, uh, the, the wonderful founders who are, are leading um, the project and who are, are building the product and really figuring out how to connect to customers, but all of these other community of investors and mentors and, and, and communities of supporters that are coming in to fund and help build that company. Um, so I think one of the things that we, we know is that um, we are what we're doing is we're trumping that siloed structure that you just described. This idea of like if you aren't in the in this particular um, educational network or in 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 some particular network, you don't have access to that. Then then you're just not going to get that support. You're not going to be able to grow that company. We're trumping that by creating relationships um, outside of those networks that are are true relationships that are relationships of trust. Because that's really the key, the key piece here is, you know, a lot of these companies who are within those sort of traditional networks, they're, they might get funding or they might get support in part because of their wonderful idea and, and its validity in, in the market, but also um, because they are part of a, a, a natural nest network of trust and that these other founders are sort of quote unquote unknown and we are making them known. We're bringing them into the known realm, which is uh, for for my investor community. You know that that is key. Uh, well, yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. So let's um, let's let's kind of slide over to Antoine for a second. And so one of the big things we've noticed over the past year, we've evolved our program, but especially in, in 2020, is that we have kind of two groupings of founders. We have those that operate businesses, traditional businesses, either they're venture backable startups or their tech-enabled small business. And then we have the future. We have those operating programs that are training either those at the K-12 level or college students on various aspects of tech or in various aspects of tech, right? And so those are our groupings. And so now within those groupings, we essentially have two divisions within each group. So Blanca leads our scalable tech startup division. Antoine leads our division focused on tech-enabled small business. The, for me, this division, this, this, this type of entrepreneur is truly the future as it relates to, to closing, or let me just say this even in a different way, to increasing um, wealth in diverse communities. 
and, and Blanca, we talk about this all the time. There's this whole coolness factor. Everyone talks about venture backable startups when it comes to entrepreneurship. They're in the news, they're on TV, they're in the blogs, they got movies written about them. Think of the social network. Everyone wants to be a venture backable startup, whether their idea is venture backable or not, right? And so what it often causes is for people to go this route of the venture backable startup and they completely in some cases like destroy their lives. And then the reality in many diverse cultures, if you don't do well, if you fail, you don't show up again to anyone, right? You kind of go in a hole, so on and so forth. And so what we're focused on in the tech enable small business division is a few things. One, to help founders understand that if they're not trying to build a hundred million dollar company, that's okay. Right. You, you're, you can build a million dollar, $2 million, $10 million company, and you will be a success to 99% of the world, right? Don't let your ego get in the way. And there's a better pathway to doing that than doing than creating a $100 million company. We're not trying to kill anybody's dreams, but in many cases, uh, it's a better pathway for most founders. So to do that, Again, we focus on these type of founders bringing in revenue from day one, revenue over everything, revenue, revenue, revenue. And so we also are helping them to use tools. And we, we're going to go into this whole no code thing in an hour and change or so um, to automate their internal operations to make their to, to increase their efficiency and therefore their productivity. So uh, Antoine came aboard a few months ago. Um, it's been an interesting journey. We did a pilot cohort back in the summer with uh, with 10 companies. And now we are kind of going on and evolved that. And uh, I think we have over 25 companies in our tech enabled small business division. So Antoine, uh, any any general thoughts about what I've said so far? Yeah, I mean, uh, you, you, to, to piggyback off you guys, I mean, you know, raising capital is very cool. But what's not cool is the equity that you that you give up. You know, each dollar you take, the less control you have over your company. And in terms of of, of closing the, the wealth gap, um, it's important that we have ownership in, in the things that, that we're working on, right? So, you know, one of, one of the key things that we're focused on within the Tech Enable Small Business Division is building revenue models, um, strengthening operations. You know, uh, one of the key things, especially in terms of if you're needing investment, investors love companies that have revenue because they know they're going to make their investment back. So it's very important to focus on that. And, and that's one, one of the key metrics that, that we do with, with, within, uh, within our programming is, is focus on those operational pieces, making sure that things are streamlined, as Joey mentioned with no-code technology and, and, and automations. And, and one of the key things too as well, in terms of, of our grouping is realizing that there are founders that are just like you that are going through the same thing that look like you, which is very important. Um, it's important to have, to have that support uh, uh, ecosystem around you, and, and that's one of the one of the great things that that Goody Nation fo- focuses on, and that we've put into the to the ecosystem. Nice, and, and we saw this even recently, right? So there's a number of 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 founders that are direct to consumer. They have physical products, and so for them, the last few days has been a big boon. So I mean, what if have you have any thoughts on what you've seen um, recently um, there as well? 
Yeah, you know, with with a lot of our founders, they were, you know, at one point they were looking to raise capital and going through the pitch process and, and kind of, you know, feeling down about it, right? There's only so many no's, you, you know, you can have before you're like, okay, where, where do I start? And it's important to realize that, you know, if, if you have you have a product, focus on focus on growing that product again. If you have revenue, you're going to find investors. And one of the one of the great things we saw that over is with, with Black Friday is that a lot of our our our, uh, our product based founders um, sold out before their Cyber Monday promotions you know, even started. Uh, so so now they have the the fortunate overwhelm of having to you know uh, fulfill shipments and orders and, and things like that. But but them focusing on product, uh, focusing on, on revenue has shown and proven to be the, the right track. Um, and and hopefully. Uh, we, we can continue to, you know, to build clear pathways that allow them to to continue to grow and build on this momentum. Right, 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 right. I mean, in, in, in I've seen even examples again of why, why relationships matter. So, you know, you see someone like Rochelle Porter who has recently been in West Elm, and then you have someone like Stuart Wood from Last Bottle Clothing. You know, there's awesome opportunities for them to connect together because they're in our founder community to share lessons learned, how to sell through large companies and, and things of that nature. So tons and tons of, of opportunities there. I mean, again, we're gonna go in a segment on, on no code and what that means for the future of inclusive innovation in this country. I think that is the, the next big thing to get hundreds if not thousands of diverse founders into the innovation equality, I mean, innovation economy. And so, um, really looking forward to that conversation and, and looking forward to, to sprinkling in a few of your nuggets throughout the day, Antoine. So uh, before we kick it over to uh, J- Jamelia, a few, a few different things. Um, one, if you have any questions in chat about Goody Nation, how we've evolved in 2020, uh, or just have any questions, please put them in chat. Two, again, we are raising money. So you can text Goody to 707070 um, to donate. Please post on social tag us. At Goody Nation, um, so let's now move oh, on really to. Quick, sorry, really quick, Joey. They asked for your um, Twitter handle, Antoine. If you want to drop that in chat, in chat, that would be great. Awesome, awesome. So we've talked about the relationship gap as it relates to founder people that are building companies today, right? They're less connected to those that graduate from top colleges, those that work in top companies, particularly innovation roles. The reality though, for them, is that this relationship gap problem started 20 years ago. Started 20 years ago. So at Goody Nation, one of the things that we're focused on is the tech pipeline. And though we deal with founders, in many cases, our founders are vastly different. Right. And so we've heard from Blanca and Anton. We've had some discussions around people that are currently building companies. But we also at Goody Nation focus on the future. So we're focused on accelerating relationships for current founders and for the future so that the the kids that are in elementary school, maybe even even kindergarten and in 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 high school and in college don't experience this relationship gap moving forward. So we began to notice that there's a relationship gap and a funding gap for those that run programs that train K-12 and college students in tech as well. Now, the funding sources for those individuals, and typically these organizations are nonprofits, 
though they don't have to be, you're typically going to see like coding boot camps, STEM programs, and things like that. The, re- the, the, the reality is that they raise even less money. They have a harder time raising money from foundations and corporate sponsors and so on and so forth than the tech startup founders do, which is something that nobody really even talks about. Really hasn't been until Echoing Green came out with the report in May of this year that talked about the, the funding gap, so to speak, for diverse operators of nonprofits. And so... Over the past six months or so, we've been running programming to help those that that focus on training the future, training middle school, elementary school, high school students in aspects of tech. And so I want to kick it to Jamila to for any thoughts on what we've seen and you know some of the things that you've seen over the last few months in working with those founders. Yeah. Um again to piggyback off we said it's really it's not surprising, but surprising on how much lack of focus there is on the future, honestly. Um, there's not a lot of resources available for these uh, program operators and founders that focus on the K-12 and college audience, despite the fact that these are our future. Um, there's no resources for innovation, for scaling, for growth, or even just going from A to B, honestly. A lot of our um, program operators and find founders often have a hard time getting their ideas off the ground. So programs like ours, while we help accelerate these relationships, they honestly need people to help them get started. Um, and there's places like the Small Business um, Foundation and Community Foundations in Atlanta and things like that, but they still don't even have those resources to take them step by step on how to grow a scalable organization. Um, There's this lack of a creating mindset because they're always so used to receiving, especially in the nonprofit industry. You're always told that, oh, get a grant. Oh, go for a foundation rather than creating an opportunity for yourself. Um, So that's one thing that I've personally been kind of focused on teaching the founders because of the access we have to these startups and tech-enabled small businesses that we need to shift our mindset into that type of um, thought process as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm super, I'm super passionate about this. So again, if you want to create a, a tech or, or a scalable tech startup, there are pre-accelerators, there are accelerators. You think the Y Combinators, the tech stars, the, the 500 startups, there's tons of other entrepreneur support programs that people typically before COVID, you will go to in person. Now that things are online, you can go to anything. You can go to YC Startup School. Um, there are tons. You, you can type in any type of search term in Google, and you're going to come up with some type of blog or some type of founder library, some type of advice around what you need to do in order to go from zero to one, one to two, two to three if you're running a tech startup. Funding advice, tons of YouTube videos, demo day presentations. You have what you need in order to learn how to run a scalable tech startup. Not so much when it comes to tech-enabled small business. Typically, people will say, well, go to a small business development administration or center or whatever it is. Uh, But there are some resources, right? If someone's like, I want to spin up a coding boot camp, there's literally nowhere for someone to go, right? You just may, maybe you participate in the program, maybe you know how to code, and you figure, you know, I'm going to create some curriculum and find some kids and go from there. 
which is to Jamelia's point, ridiculous. If we're talking about closing education gaps, you know, literacy gaps, financial gaps, all kinds of gaps, why aren't there more programs to support those running these tech training programs or really any other nonprofit, quite honestly, right? And so one of the things that we see is that if someone wants to participate in our programming, but they're a little bit too early, there's literally nowhere for us to send them. So we're, we're, we're left with this hard decision. Okay, someone has a great idea, but we're not necessarily set up to help people at the idea stage at the moment, right? But the world needs this idea to be successful. They don't need to help a billion people. They don't need to help a million people. Maybe they need to help 100 kids. There's still no place for them to send. So what oftentimes they go out there in the wilderness, they may build something, oftentimes not going to do well. And then the world is, is, a, is a worse place for it, right? So one of our big things is figuring out a, a pathway to educate those that run nonprofits, particularly those that are about training the future of tech. And so we see that play out in a lot of different ways. So when you talk about <clears throat> scalable tech startups, and here's where the value of community, where it, where it relates to different types of founders come into play. Again, we said earlier, our standard is for, for any founder in our program, no matter the type of entrepreneur they are, is to know their business like someone raising a Series B investment. So Series B, those that run Series B um, companies, they plan out. They know their goals, their milestones to hit, their OKRs. They know a lot of different metrics. But when you start talking about that to those running K-12 programs, they don't know what those things are in many cases. They don't, they, they don't know what an OKR is. They don't think about hitting goals and milestones, especially as it relates to funding. I want to get, I want to raise money from a grant. I mean, from a foundation through a grant, right? I want to get a corporate sponsor. Things need to be put into place in order for you to kind of, to increase your likelihood of getting those things, but no even rubrics even exist. And so one of the values of our, of our, our program is that we can take someone who's raised a million dollar seed round and then turn them into a mentor for someone starting a K-12 um, tech, tech talent training program, right? So I know you see it all the time, Jamelia. So any, any thoughts on what we're seeing in terms of, you know, the, the mindset of, someone running a traditional nonprofit from a programming perspective and then getting them to think about themselves as CEOs of a business? Um, it's difficult, sadly, um, because it's been kind of ingrained to follow the traditional nonprofit structure of how you raise money and even how you conduct your business. Um, a lot of these training programs for people who want to start a nonprofit keep the same value system, keep the same thought processes and trying to convert them requires exposure, which is why this community is great. Um, but it needs to happen more often. I really think, and because they have exposure to these type of startups and things, they may sometimes get a little more obsessed with this, exit mindset, the scalable thing where it's like, no, 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 stay in your lane, but just change your mindset um, as well as how you do things, honestly. Um, yeah. So it's it's been an interesting journey. 
<laughs> I'll say that these last few months to make that switch. But we're getting to them slowly. Um, it just will require a lot more education um, and creating these type of entrepreneurship support programs that start from the ground up, um, which there's not enough resources for, unfortunately. Right, right. And so we'll, we'll get into more of this um, between 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. today. Um, this problem also exists at the college level as well. It's, it's, not as, it's, not, it's not as much because at the college level, you have more colleges that actually are, are doing this and they have a little bit more resources, but it's, it's pretty much the same, right? I mean, so we'll get into that more with Chad Womack. We have Stacey Lynch, from, who's a consultant with the Walton Family Foundation. We have Greg Clay and Horace Williams coming in. We're going to spend a lot of time digging into this specific problem because this is the future. If, if those, if we care about closing this gap and not having the same relationship a gap exist in the year 2040, we got to do the work right now. I'm, I'm, I'm sick and tired of, 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 of essentially doing, of programming and stuff for problems that existed well before we even met these founders. Before, when these founders were sitting in middle school, this, this, this problem was developing, right? So we're always playing catch up. It's time to start being proactive versus reactive and getting ahead of the curve, right? And so super excited about what we're able to do for tech training programs, both at the K-12 level and the college level. Um, and then for this discussion a little bit later on today. So um, we see Andrea, Andrea Miller here. She's, uh, she's in the program as well, doing amazing stuff at South Atlanta High School. Um, so in about 15 minutes, y'all, we have uh, our first guest, Brandon Andrews from Values Partnerships. Um, we'll talk about his background in a second. But, you know, again, if you have any thoughts, any comments, drop them in or questions, um, drop them in chat. From the Goody Nation team, is there anything that we haven't discussed? Any questions? Any questions? We do have our first guest, uh, Brandon, you there? Hey, Joy, I'm here. How's it going? How's it going? So we are moving. Well, man. Pretty good. Pretty good. We are moving to our inclusive innovation segment. Um, super excited to talk about why relationships matter from someone who I think is the master at relationships. So how these sessions are going to go for those watching is we're going to go a little bit into the background. Then we'll talk about you know the guest thoughts on why relationships matter for the space they're in. And then we'll go into some examples. So so, Brandon, you want, you want to give us some quick uh, background information on who you are, what you do, why you're so awesome? Well, uh, whether or not I'm awesome is TBD. We'll leave that up to the uh, to the you know participants to decide, but appreciate it, my man. Uh, so, yeah, Brandon Andrews, I grew up in a small town in South Alabama, didn't know anything about business at all, uh, but uh, have been able to learn and grow in the space, and I think part of the importance of relationships is their ability to be able to teach you, to mentor you, as long as you're open to learning, uh, making sure that um, you have those relationships uh, with folks um, that are doing maybe what you want to do or going where you want to go. That's something that's helped me throughout my, my life and career. So grew up in Alabama, went to college in Oklahoma, moved to Washington, D.C., worked on Capitol Hill for several years, Left, became an entrepreneur, um, got the opportunity to uh, connect with 
uh, ABC Shark Tank uh, with uh, my friend and business partner, Joshua Dubois, our at, at Values Partnerships, a social impact agency. And we run a nationwide casting tour for the show, um, helping to bring more diversity to the pipeline, but also I'm helping to connect with founders across the country uh, and hopefully have a positive impact on them, whether or not they move forward with the show. So Shark Tank, that relationship opens the door, I think, for opportunities to be able to build uh, in local ecosystems and be able to build with uh, founders of color all across the all across the country. Nice, nice. So, I mean, you're you're right there in the mix, right? So you're you're in D.C. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a relationship game. So 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 whether it's Shark Tank or, you know, in your life or some of the other things you're seeing, have you seen any examples of. Of, of how relationships have mattered for, for some entre- awesome entrepreneurs? So I think for Shark Tank, uh, a lot of what I'm doing is downstream development. So there's a segment of the entrepreneurs that I meet every year that are immediately ready to, for the opportunity to be on the show. Um, but there's also an even bigger segment that are maybe going to be ready next year or in two years. And I think as an ecosystem builder, as someone that wants to have a positive impact on the community, um, we have to make sure that we are interested in not only connecting with the people that can have some kind of immediate benefit for us, whether it's personally or professionally, but also connecting with folks that are on the come up, folks that are reaching towards their goals, folks that want to get to a place um, that maybe we're already at or, or, or get to a place where we as a, a gatekeeper can potentially be be helpful to them. And I think on the opposite side of that, it's if you're striving to do something, if you want to, for example, get on Shark Tank, but you aren't ready today, will you take the step to start building the business, connecting with people like me or, or Joey and, and, and Goody Nation um, to be able to get your business and get yourself on the right track and build the relationships necessary so that when the business is in a competitive position, you'll have those relationships together and you'll be able to take advantage of the opportunity immediately. Right. Nice. Nice. Let's talk a little bit about your, your founder journey, right? I mean, you're a founder many times over. Um, Can you give any examples of how relationships have played a a pivotal role in in you getting to where you've, you've, you, you are now, I mean, any, any inflection points? Yeah. Yeah. So a a couple things. One, um, for me personally, um, I always think about the, the guys that I was, um, on the football team with in high school. So I was an athlete when I was, when I was growing up and I think about those guys because all of them were talented. Um, every one of them had the physical, you know, ability, but also the mental acuity to, I think, be successful, not only in the sports world, but also being successful in life. And so a lot of the work that I've done professionally and a lot of the work that I do now is thinking about how can we create an environment in which everyone can reach their full potential? How can we create an environment in which those guys can reach their full potential? Because unfortunately for a lot of them, one by one, life took them out. Now, some of them would say, yeah, I made a mistake, but also a lot of them, uh, I think we have to ask the question, should we be putting young people whose brains are fully formed in positions to be able to make mistakes that can potentially impact the rest of their lives? And so I think 
you, we have these formative relationships and sometimes we choose those people. Sometimes we don't, whether they're family or close friends when we're younger, but pulling from those experiences um, can impact um, the work that we do professionally. And so now as a founder myself, I had a mobile app company previously um, where I was helping uh, folks connect with the job skills they needed to get the jobs they wanted. So we would take them through an assessment uh, on a mobile app. They would get a readout on what kind of education they needed to get to be able to get the job that they wanted. Again, helping people reach their full potential. Um, have a second mobile app company, Gage, and it's on the App Store. Folks are interested. Gage Research, we'd love to have you as part of our community. Um, it's a market research platform that's giving um, people of color in particular a seat at the table to be able to make to be able to influence marketing decisions that brands are making. I think we've seen over and over again um, the mistakes, um, the offensive ads, the things that brands have come out with that are head scratchers. And now we've created a way to give you direct access to brands that are coming out with commercials or new products or new services or whatever it might be, and also rewarding you for sharing your feedback. So you can tweet something and maybe a brand We'll take a look at it if you get a bunch of retweets, um, but ultimately um, the chances of you actually getting some kind of compensation or reward for that are slim, although the community might benefit. But on Gage, we're able to give you a direct benefit for sharing your feedback. And I think that, again, is helping people reach their full potential because we're recognizing the inherent expertise that everyday people have to be able to share in addition to um, influencers with you no know, larger social followings or who have you know, some kind of expertise in a particular area. And so um, relationships have been incredibly helpful with um, building um, that business. And I'll give you one example with Procter & Gamble. So um, we launched Gage um, and um, I was at that time responsible for doing our marketing and PR services. So I got us in an article in AdAge. Um, my, buddy, my buddy and co-founder um, was able to take that ad age, um, ad, that, that ad age um, uh, reporting and show it to a friend of his that he had a relationship with at P&G. Wow. That guy showed it internally. We then got invited to speak at Procter & Gamble's Black History Month um, session. Uh, and so we were able to brief uh, senior leaders on the marketing uh, environment and what consumers of color are looking for, why it's important to connect directly with people and also pitch our services literally to the chief marketing officer um, of the company. Um, that led to business for our company uh, and a multi-year relationship that we've had with, uh, with, with Procter & Gamble. Um, that only happened because of the relationship, one, that I had with a reporter to be able to get in at age to the relationship that my business partner had with someone at the company and then the relationship that he had internally and the trust that they had to be able to um, actually you know, get us invited and give us an opportunity to pitch. And so relationships were critical to us, to our business being able to work with a global brand early on uh, in, the, in, in the life cycle for our company. I mean, it definitely wouldn't happen if we hadn't, one, built those relationships, but also cultivated them over time. Wow. Wow. I mean, that's an interesting piece that you bring up around the cultivation of relations. I actually may want to ask a little bit about that. So, so yeah, so you, yeah. you knew a reporter, 
you got in the ad age, which is an amazing feat in itself, right? And so yeah. then you take that and you, and you see your, your co-founder leverages an existing relationship with P&G, one of the top companies in the world to ever have existed and still exist. Yeah. And now you're pitching to the, the chief marketing officer and senior execs. Um, exactly. I mean, yeah. That, see, I mean, again, relationships matter, right? Yeah, man. And it's like with without without not just the relationships. And it's also like I met that reporter from Ad Age at South by Southwest. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't need anything from them. They didn't need anything from me. But we just, you know, talked, connected. And then I was intentional about staying in contact with them over time. And I think that's the other piece and a piece that this pandemic, honestly, um, gives us an opportunity to leverage a little bit more than maybe we would have in the past because maybe we um, feel like we have a little bit more space to create and, and, and use our time the way we want to. I mean, check in with the folks if you've you know been doing virtual events, check in with those people that you've done virtual events with this year and say, hey, before the end of the year, just want to see what's going on with you. How can we potentially collaborate next year or just give me an update on what's going on with you? Um, and then uh, in, in the personal space as well. And I think this is especially important during this pandemic as people can you know, get sick and, and all of that and want everybody to be healthy. Make sure that you're connecting in with whatever that core group is for you, whether it's family or friends or whoever it might be, um, because cult- it's one thing to build the relationship with someone. It's another to be able to cultivate it. And then, of course, the third thing is being able to to leverage the relationship um, when the optimum time time comes. Yeah. Let's talk about no code. Let's talk about how no code can 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 equalize, can level the playing field for for diverse founders, not just Atlanta, but really across the world. And so we have some amazing guests with us. We have Umama from Sweatpack. We have Nate from Coins. We have Edmund, who is a part of our team as well. One of the newest members of our team. Um, one of our stand up facilitators. So we're going to go around the horn, do some quick intros. Um, before we get into this conversation. So, Umama, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, of course. Good morning, guys. I'm Umama, the co-founder and CEO of Sweatpack, and my passion is for connecting people through fitness. That's why we developed Sweatpack, which is a sports and fitness team matching platform to help people be active and stay accountable. Awesome. Awesome. Nate? Hey, I'm Nate Washington, uh, co-founder and CTO of Coins, um, and we're essentially a financial wellness platform that helps people focus on paying off debt faster, uh, saving more money, and just overall improving their uh, financial literacy. Uh, We've helped people pay off uh, over $15 million worth of debt so far. Awesome. Awesome. Amazing. Amazing. And then Edmund. Hi, I'm Edmund. Um, I'm a stand-up facilitator on the Goody Nation team, and Prior to Goody Nation and still currently doing it, I'm also the creator of the Codeless podcast where we talk about no code, as well as the meetup called I Want This to Exist, where we share, validate, or throw ideas away. Nice, 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 nice. So I'm going to kick it to, to Nate and then to Umama to talk a little bit about their, jo- their journey building products on no code. But before we kind of get into that, one of the, and I've been working with diverse or founders in general, but especially diverse founders for a long time, right? One of the, over the years, I've seen many, many founders um, give up their potential, not realize because they can't go from idea to building their product using traditional um, lines of code, essentially. 
And so, again, as we mentioned earlier, we can't afford this from a diverse standpoint. You know, our culture does not reward failure. And so not being able to go from 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 zero to one is a major impediment. And so many com- in many cases, people that try to go raise funding to go then hire some developers if they can find them, if they have the relationships to find said developers and they convince developers to work for them. Right. Um, that's a whole nother conversation. We can talk about why relationships matter for developers another day. Um, but this no code thing, this no code thing has the ability to level again the playing field. So we have some amazing founders here who've, who've, who've built um, some products using no code. So, so Nate, you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. And I just want to kind of echo what you said there. Um, it's incredibly important, um, especially for founders of color, um, because, you know, for us, you know, it's, it's traditionally harder to go to school, to be able to afford to go to school, to get those engineering degrees, to be able to build products the traditional way, right? Um, so this really kind of opens the door. Um, and like you said, really levels the playing field. Um, you know, for me, you know, I started using no code, you know, back in 2015, actually. Um, so I, I have previously had some experience uh, writing code, uh, but had kind of left it alone for years. Um, and was just really kind of looking for a way to kind of easily get back into it, um, just to build something quick and get it up and running. Um, and I stumbled across some no code tools um, that really just kind of allowed me to, to build something quickly, get it out there, get it in the hands of customers, right? Because you can dream about something all day, but until people are actually using it um, and breaking it, um, you don't really know, uh, you know what you have. Um, but then kind of beyond that, you know, I, I kind of have the point of view that, you know, it doesn't have to be one or the other, you know, some people, you know, look at, you know, no code and they say, well, if you're using no code, you know, you know, you can't use code. Right. Uh, but, you know, over the years, you know, I've, I've kind of combined the two, um, for a lot of different products, including coins. Um, you know, so just being able to, uh, to really find something to, to that that can do something faster than, than coding traditionally um, allows you to iterate quickly, get something out um, and really get feedback that way. Um, you know, I've, I've, before coins, I've built uh, like three companies using no code um, and did some contracting work for no code for a while. Um, shut all of those companies down um, except for one that's, that's still uh, kind of going um, as a side business. Um, but, um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's a really great way for founders of color um, to really get out there and uh, work on their idea. Um, Cause like you said, you can say all day, you know, I can't start my company because of this, or, you know, if only I had developers, but you know, there's tools out there um, and, you know, you can get started. So. Sure. And, 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 and before we um, kind of kick it to, to my, I just want to kind of um, define no code. I want Edmund to come in here and, just, or just really anybody just completely like slap me when I just mess this definition up. Right. So, you know, for me, like no code, and we started to do some stuff with Goody Nation for, for transparency, we started to use tools like Airtable and it's improved our internal efficiency, maybe like 70, 80% in the last, like the last few months. So for me, it's, you know, the way I look at no code is, is, is tools that maybe resemble like drag and drop that can, not that essentially the, the everyday person while essentially learning the logic can use, they don't have to do all the the formulas and so on and so forth. I mean, that's, again, this is where you all come in and tell me how stupid I am for defining it like that. But uh, Edmund, um, you know, Umama and Nate, you want to kind of define no code a little bit? 
Yeah, I think it's visual programming, right? That drag and drop feature. Um, I think no code mainly speaks to MVP, which is our minimal viable product. What solves the problem? And these no code tools are simply easy to drag and drop, bring in other features, use several different tools to build this kind of wizard of Oz that uh, solves a problem for people quickly and can iterate fast. Yes, yeah, I, I definitely agree with what Umama said. Um, and, you know, the, the way, you know, I look at, you know, no code or when you get into the conversation of code versus no code, it's like founders are on this journey in a wide landscape. And sometimes you have very, you know, clear like views, level land and you can walk across. But sometimes you come to like, you know, a river and you need to move across. And in a, in a way, no code lets you go through this flat, uh, very safe space at a very high speed. But, you know, sometimes too, when you come to a, an obstacle, like a bridge or a divide, you might need some code to like get across it. So to a lot of new people, um, there seems to be this argument of code versus no code. But for a lot of the people that are in the space, um, developers, engineers, as well as novices, people that have been, you know, building with these tools, they understand that it's actually like a means to an end. Um, so with both, with what all of the other panelists ha um, have said, I, I totally agree. It's not a zero sum with no code, but it is a great um, leveler of the playing field, especially for diverse founders. Nice, nice. So, so, so Nate, you built several companies using no code. Umama, let's go to you. Let's talk about your journey and what you're doing now, especially as it relates to no code. Yeah, absolutely. I think just an extension of that definition. I believe no code is all about a mindset. It's that mindset of I'm here to solve a problem and I'm going to use whatever tools are out there right now to deliver value. And that is truly the main basis of why we got started with no code. I think uh, like most founders, I did the traditional journey of going out there and networking with CTOs and developers, getting all these grants, trying to go after investment to try to build out this development team. But ultimately it was a year journey where I realized we don't really know what we're building yet. And every developer that I talked to and ended up having like these high level conversations, they were like, hey, let's slow it down. The basic features of what you want to build with Sweatpack can be built on no code, can be solved with a website, with a web app. All you need to do to build a marketplace is truly uh, build out both sides of the market, build out the demand side with the customer base, but then also build out this marketplace with the supply, with the gyms, the studios, the trainers, which is all, which all can be done right now. So really it was our development team that really led us to making the move here. And I wish people would understand, you know, there's this debate of no code versus code, but we've got to build up this MVP minimal viable structure or product structure first and then build out the robust features. Because ultimately what I've learned is with a lot of my friends that are in tech is they build out a bunch of products that nobody wants and they haven't tested it out. And what I can say is with our year and a half of no code development, we brought in $50,000 of revenue. We have over 1400 paid members on our platform. And though we've been in a beta using this no code feature, I know exactly what we want to build, build in in our next iteration that actually gets released into the App Store. 
So I think the biggest part of all this was the relationships that led to this. If I wasn't at Atlanta Tech Village all the time, surrounding myself with all these other founders uh, that are constantly talking about innovative tools, I would never have learned about this. Um, my friend Shihan, um, that is also a founder uh, here at Atlanta Tech Village and through Goody Nation, um, he was the one that really explained to me what an MVP was. He was like, look, what tools exist right now, like Excel, Airtable, uh, Squarespace, what exists right now that will ultimately deliver value to your customer? Then you are going to wrap that up and build that on Sweatpack and let people and solve the problem that way. He showed me the application Glide, which basically takes Excel spreadsheets, which we already had for uh, Sweatpack, and basically make it pretty to create a web app. And now we've been selected as one of Glide's beta users to actually have our web app transferred onto the app store. So it's a really great way of building out the process, making sure we're testing it with our users, getting feedback from our very passionate users about what they want to see, and then building on top of that. So I think we get feature heavy too quickly, and uh, I'm really grateful for this process uh, and grateful for Nate that actually introduced me to Bubble, which we're building on top of Glide now. So uh, it's all a relationship-based process. So, 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 so that's, that's, that's super awesome. So, so you meet Shahan, Shahan mm -hmm. tells you about Glide. You also meet Nate, Nate tells you about Bubble. And so again, so the, the, the line I'm drawing here is many founders, particularly those that are diverse have, have trouble even getting from zero to 10 users because they can't build a, a simple version of their, their idea, the MVP essentially. And so you have through relationships have, have used these no code tools to go to 1,400 users, $50,000 in revenue. And this is still the MVP version of which you're going to take, my understanding, you're going to take this evidence, this traction, mm -hmm. this progress, and then go um, leverage it for, for more customers, for funding, so you can build out the 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 uh, the app store version of your of your product is that exactly kind of accurate yeah and I think uh, there's a quote here from Stacey Abrams that was like like most that are underestimated I've learned to over overperform and I think that's very true to how underrepresented founders have to work in this tech ecosystem sometimes we've got to over deliver overperform and test out every different version before we get to funding or before we get to revenue and scale. And this is a way for us as founders to have that mindset of, I can do this without other people. Like I have the skills, I have the team. And so I think that's why those relationships are super key and that relationship with yourself to trust that I can do this on my own too. Nice, nice. So I'm, I'm, I'm gonna flip it back up over to, to Nate for a second. How'd you get to Bubble? And then how did you, you know, how did the whole thing where you kind of told Umama about Bubble kind of come into play? Yeah, so I actually, I found Bubble, I want to say like late 2014, early 2015, um, honestly, just through like a Google search. Um, you know, like I mentioned, you know, I was, I had my first idea uh, for a business around then, was looking for something to quickly kind of get out an MVP um, and just stumbled upon it, started using it. Um, and I, I, I joke that it was, uh, the, the dark ages of bubble back then, because you weren't able to do as much, uh, back then as you are now. Um, but, um, one of the things that really drew me to it 
really early on was that um, there was an online forum with a very, very active community, right? Um, so in my early days of using it, and, and I guess one of the kind of the misconceptions of no code is that, you know, it's always just going to be just jump in, build something in five minutes, you're done, right? Um, a lot of these tools actually do have a, a little bit of a learning curve. Um, so there are certain things you have to figure out, right? Um, you know, if you're building a web app for the first time, um, if you've never dealt with like a database or anything like that, you know, it's 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 going to be easier to work with it than it would be, you know, learning how to code and, and, and going through all of that. Um, but you just do still have to take some time to learn some things. So the fact that there was a forum and a community where I could go in and, and ask some questions because I'd never used Bubble before. Um, very early on, there were people, um, you know, who were, I would consider mentors of mine, um, who, who kind of really kind of pointed me in the right direction with the platform and things like that. Um, and then over time, you know, as I got better and better at the platform, you know, I started answering questions myself, right. Um, kind of returning the favor. Um, and then over the years, I, I guess I've kind of become a bubble evangelist in a sense, um, uh, <laughs> and, uh, so, you know, Umama and I, um, uh, obviously known each other for a, a while and, and, um, she was kind of looking for a way to, to kind of, um, you know, build out parts of her platform as she mentioned. Um, so it was just one of the things that I've mentioned, um, uh, and I've talked with Edmund too, and, and, uh, and, uh, about that kind of process as well. Uh, but I, I, I would say the community aspect is, it really is one of the biggest things, not just kind of like the online forum or things like that. But the fact of the matter is that, you know, during your process of building anything, right, you're going to have questions, you're going to need to seek help from someone. Um, and the great thing about no code, whether it's Bubble or other platforms, um, is that as this movement continues to grow, there's going to be more and more people using these platforms and more and more people that you can reach out to for help or with questions or things like that, right, um, that can easily give you answers or point you in the right direction um, or things like that, right? Um, I, I always kind of compare this to the, uh, to the cost of a, of a college education, right? Um, you know, learning no code, building products that way. Um, you know, for those of you that don't know, I'm a college dropout. Um, so, but I still have uh, student loan debt and things like that. So it's, it's interesting to see how this kind of movement has created new opportunities for people where maybe they don't have to go into tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of debt. Uh, to kind of really get something up and running, whether they want to build something themselves. Um, and then the last thing I want to add to that too is not just for founders themselves, but people who are working in like the, the corporate world, right? Um, and want to kind of build something out internally, tools or, or kind of test, test out new ideas that way. You know, I've had people reach out to me, ask me questions like, hey, I'm working at this company and, you know, I want a quick way to test out this idea that I want to bring to my boss, right? But, you know, I can't code, I can't do this, you know, but I heard about Bubble or something else, you know, can you talk to me about this? Um, so I think it's, it's just creates a lot of opportunities for people where, you know, otherwise there might not have been before. Nice, nice. Hey man, I want to, I want to come to you. Um, uh, you have some goals for the no code community over the next year. Is it, but well, so, so two things, one, you want to comment on anything that's been said before, but also you want to talk about some of the goals you have. Um, yeah, sure. Um, so I, I gotta like give some really nice revealing context here. Um, I met Nate and Christian from coins, um, a pretty good amount of time before I even started the podcast Codeless. And I want to, I want to say this to kind of like, kind of teach a lesson here. When I met him, I had heard about coins 
even when they launched in 2016. So I left Atlanta, came back, and I kind of missed out on that. But when I saw coins, I almost lost it because the idea of it, of rounding up your purchases to put it into an account and pay off your debt, it was just like, it was just absolutely wonderful. Just wonderful. Now, I love the app. I love the idea and the, the problem they were solving. But when I launched Codeless and I eventually learned that Nate and Christian built it on Bubble, I, I just like, I couldn't take it. And the point I wanted, I want to bring out here is, especially for founders starting on this journey, the customer doesn't care how you build the solution. A lot of times they don't even, like they don't know and they don't care. So not only does no code fit very well with this idea of lean startups and, you know, kind of build fast and iterate, but your customer doesn't care. And, and, you know, something, I think Umama said something about, you know, focusing on being feature rich. I notice that a lot of founders, as I'm talking to them are making the mistake of trying to build like all the features at once for the customer, rather than testing, building a community and an audience and kind of trying to, understanding what the customers want. And I just, you know, I really keep going back to, to Nate, not only when I met him and Christian, but even the episode that we did on Codeless, it just blew my mind that they built that sophisticated of an app in, you know, with, with, a, with a tool that's supposedly, you know, that's no code. And, and if I know, if I'm, if I'm saying this correctly till today, some, most of the backend of coins still runs on Bubble. So this idea of scale is also being, um, I guess, kind of like thrown aside because Nate and Christian in, in, in one way or another are actually scaling with it. So, yeah, that, so that, that's what I wanted to say, you know, you know to comment on that. Um, Joey, to the second point about, you know, the goals that I have. So when I launched Codeless, for example, I just you know, I had quit a corporate job, was good at it, didn't want to do it anymore. And I was on this track to figure out what I really wanted to contribute to the world. And for me, when I came across no code, um, you know, it kind of goes to Umama's point about when you're building a company, you've got, it's almost like dating and like falling in love and finding a soulmate to find your technical co-founder. Right. And, you know, I, I definitely wasn't technical per se, but I knew that like, I wanted to be part of something, build something. And so when I found this idea of no code, it just conceptualized everything I had been through, working in corporate, not being technical, and now coming out and wanting to do something. And it, it was the perfect opportunity for me. So I started Codeless as a way to understand what was going on, but also it was intellectual breathing for me to learn and give out at the same time. So... What I've learned after producing Codeless now for over a year is that I want to be a platform to enable other founders to like be rocket ships, you know. And so for 2021, my goal essentially is I want to get a hundred new founders introduced to no code and actually like building something. Um, and I'm proud to say I'm, I think I'm actually ahead of my goal. I think I've got two already before the end of this year. Nice. So, yeah, that's my goal for 2021, how to get 100 new founders building something with no code, period. Nice, nice, nice. 100 new founders. How, how many of them would be diverse? You know what? But you know what? That's a good question. 
literally by nature of what no code is allowing people to do, empowering people that don't don't have as much power as the status quo, by the nature of it, I'm actually being introduced and connecting with probably about 70 to 80 percent of diverse uh, of founders, people of color, and especially women. The interesting thing about no code, what no code did for me was, you know, even though I'm a guy and I'm biased to thinking like a guy, I just noticed that this issue of like women in tech or in STEM, um, if you actually have to create an initiative for it, it's probably a big mistake because what no code taught me is that if I just opened my eyes and looked around, I met on average 50%, you know, just awesome um, founders who happen to be women. And so I'm noticing in this no-code space, um, and I think it's going to be a big boon for diverse founders, that it naturally plays well to people who have been, you know, somewhat um, segmented and, and ostracized from the typical, you know, tech ecosystem. So I, 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 I estimate that about 80% of the people that I will, you know, be fortunate to introduce to no-code will most probably be founders of color, women, and and such. Awesome, 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 awesome. I mean, so 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 think about that for a second. So I want to do before we kind of close this segment up. I want to kick it to Umama and Nate for for additional thoughts. One person, and this is a pilot for Evan. I can tell you, and so we're going to be working with him on this as well. Is to get a hundred new founders in in twenty twenty one to launch MVPs using no code. Many of those people, the majority, the vast majority of them are gonna be, be diverse. And then he's probably gonna use no code to even scale it even more. So again, this is how we turn into, uh, turn the, the tech ecosystem be more inclusive by utilizing tools that are open to everyone. So Umama, do you have um, any, any thoughts kind of in, in closing? Yeah, I think the no code journey really starts with someone showing people how to do it. Uh, when you see the back end of uh, Glide or Bubble, you might at first be overwhelmed, but now there's so many more courses. KP is a very big thought leader here in Atlanta that has a mastermind called Zero to One that I just joined. And like Nate said, there's so many communities, but it's sometimes overwhelming. So I think it's up to us as no-code founders to really be transparent in that journey and showcase exactly what we're doing. Um, I've started doing a lot of tutorials on TikTok and YouTube. So definitely check those out. But I definitely want to help you, Edmund, with hosting any workshops because I think we are truly in a maker's economy now. Mm -hmm. Things like social media, Canva, we can really take things into our hands and visually program anything. So as long as we get the mindset right, I think we can get anything right and join the communities. Awesome. 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 I love it. Nate? Yeah, so I want to just touch on one thing that uh, Edmund said a minute ago about how, you know, your customers don't care, you know, if it's built on code or no code, right? Um, and I just want to add that, you know, a lot of people, when they're getting into no code, they worry about, you know, when they go to raise their first round of funding, what investors are going to think, right? And, you know, whether or not that's going to be an issue for their um, you know, one thing I want to say is that, you know, we're in the process of closing out our second round of funding since we started the company, um, and it has not been an issue. Um, so for people out there that are worried, you know, at the end of the day, if you have a working product um, that is getting customers, maybe generating revenue or some sort of traction, that's what the most important thing is, right? You know, you can, you know, evaluate 
how no code scales with your platform. You know, it's not perfect for every situation, right? Um, but it's worked well for us. Uh, it's going to continue to work well for us. And a lot of these tools are, are free to get started. Um, so just get out there and build. There it is. There it is. Free to low cost, low time in some cases. And a quick story as, as we go into our next segment. Um, a few months ago during one of our tech-enabled small business cohort stand-ups. We had Edmund brought in a number of friends to essentially replicate the product of one of the, the founders. And I think the founder has spent over a year building this, this, this app. My understanding, Edmund, correct me if I'm wrong, it took one of the one of your one of your homies like three days to replicate her app using a series of like 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 two or three no-code tools. Yeah, right? yeah. I think three days is too much. It actually took him like probably like a day or maybe a couple hours because he he builds all the time. And like in five minutes, he actually showed the founder how to build 60% of what she wanted with no code. Yeah. That's crazy. So a year to build it, this person replicated in, in a day, right? So low cost, low time to build. This is how we win in terms of being inclusive as it relates to uh, the innovation economy. So, so Nate, uh, Umama, thank you so much. Continue on your founder journey using no code. Our community is here for you. This has been a great conversation. Please drop your your uh, your contact information in in chat, and um, we'll look to do one of these things. You know, in the in the coming weeks or months. But I think I think this conversation deserves an entire hour, if not longer. Absolutely. Can I say one thing? Yeah, I just want to make sure we all congratulate Nate Washington uh, today. He just got featured on Forbes 30 Under 30. Oh, it just came out today. So it is just another step for no code with Nate sharing his journey. So we're really, really excited to have him on our team now. There it is. There it is. One time for Thank Nate. Thank you, Mama. <laughs> Congratulations, man. Congratulations for the seat. This it is. There it is, the, the, the Goody Nation community, the no-code community, Atlanta, Atlanta Tech Village, all that type of stuff. So good stuff, y'all. We truly appreciate it. Um, we're going to slide to our, our next segment. We talk about being more inclusive and having an impact on the community. We have some amazing um, guests talk about how relationships matter and why they matter for social Thank you for tuning in to the Why Relationships Matter podcast by Goody Nation. We hope you enjoyed it. If you were inspired, if you want to make a difference, if you want to close the relationship gap, please follow us at Goody Nation on all social media channels or log on to our website, goodynation.org. Peace.